fear the talking queers. Well, hello. How are you? Hey, girl. <laughs> How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm looking a mess. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I know I have a I have a hat on that I uh, oh because I I couldn't even bother getting ready today. <laughs> are you kidding me? I should be wearing a hat. Oh my gosh! Oh my God. No, I love it. It's you look like wild, <laughs> wild whore. <laughs> I look like a fucking witch. <laughs> Yeah, and your hair looks bad too. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding. Okay, well, look, how has your weather been over there in Orange County? Bitch, exactly. I live in Orange County. Our weather is the same all the time. It's like 85 and sunny and nice. It's not exciting. Oh my god, are you serious? 85 and nice. Yeah. And, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's getting like a little warmer. Like we've had to turn on the AC a few times, but other than that. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm sure it's crazier. I've heard that it's way worse up north. So how's it Oh for you? my god. Well, we're in the middle of a heat wave, okay? So on Friday, it was 107 degrees here in the Napa Valley. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. And then yesterday, it was 102. Girl, tell me why today it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, because it's 2020 and we're all doomed. It's That's raining. Why. There are clouds everywhere. There was a, a red flag alert for fires because there are... What'd you call me? There, <laughs> <laughs> there's a red flag alert from high winds in other parts of the county. And then all of a sudden it was raining this morning. And now the sky is filled with storm clouds and it's 90 degrees. What in the world? Oh my gosh. It yeah, literally live... feels like I'm living in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is really fucking hot in the Bahamas. But how has that like affected you? Like, like is it affecting your skin or your hair or anything? Like, Okay, my skin looks great. Because every time I'm right. sweating and I have like this glistening skin, I don't know what it is, but it just clears up everything. I have this like nice even tan going on. But my hair, bitch, I look like a bird. (laughs) 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 Fucking goddamn cockatoo. I look like I I got electrocuted. (laughs) That's only because you haven't done it. I'm sure if you if you. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh my god! (laughs) I just got out of like the shower like 30 minutes ago, and my hair. This is how it dried, like a fucking poodle. (laughs) (laughs) but you've always had like really like coarse thick hair haven't you yes it literally when you touch it it feels like those wiry sponges you scrape pans with (laughs) oh my god a brillo (laughs) yeah a brillo brillo pad pad. (laughs) so i've been having to do extra care i use um it's a 10 you know the brand it's a 10 they have like yes i do pink it's great i love the way they look but um i have a leave-in miracle product that i use for my hair and it actually makes it really just decadent and quaffed <laughs> <laughs> ooh that sounds so French <laughs> <laughs> bon quaffant <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> but my skin looks great I mean I probably have to put moisturizer on but I have nice. but I have an intense beauty regimen wait tell me about okay. it okay so, 
I exfoliate probably like every other day. And mm-hmm. I use um, three exfoliators in my shower. Um, but, <laughs> but I exfoliate. I use My favorite is like this Birds of Bees. It's like acne solutions. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it has in it, but it's great. I also use um, Garnier like natural. Garnier Fructis. Garnier Fructis. <laughs> you know her too. I do. <laughs> she um, has like infused with agave or something. I don't know. It's a really mm. nice uh, face wash. But also, I went to the farmer's market in Napa, and I got um, the authentic African black soap. It's like, it looks like dirt, but it, oh my God, it keeps my skin so clean. And the woman that sold it to me is from Africa, and she brought that shit here, and she She swears by it, and I do too. And then I do um, an eye cream, and I put it on real thick under my eyes, and I leave it. And then I massage it upward so that yeah. my eyes have a youthful appearance. I was always told I was always told to use your ring finger because it applies the le- like the least pressure when you're like oh. applying your eye cream. Yeah. Oh. So it's like, ooh, it's just a little dab because the rest of your fingers, I guess, I don't know, maybe you just naturally put more pressure on them. But your ring finger is super dainty. And so that works well. Oh, wow. That's a good tip. Yeah, there you and, go. And, oh, and always <laughs> upward. Upward. Yes, always upward because you don't because when you pull your face down, you create sagging, which would cause wrinkles and yes. other um, you and, know, things. And you don't when want. you apply your moisturizer, upward, upward, and keep everything in the refrigerator. Ooh, you keep your, I didn't know yes, that one. because when you apply it cool, it has this like natural like calming effect. Like, oh my god, yeah, like it'll help you know calm down. I love when things are like cold on my face. Uh, I love like a cold compress on my face yes, anyway. Yes. Uh, and then um, that's heaven. Yes, heaven, absolute heaven. Heaven. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh, a jade roller. Get a jade roller. What's that? It's a wand, and then it has a large roller on one side and a small roller. And I use the large ones for like my cheekbones and my forehead, and I use a small one for right under my eyes. And basically, it's like a face massager, and it's good to massage your face upward because the water retains oh. in your bags and stuff, and water retains yeah. in your face. So like if you massage it upward toward your temples it drains through your ears Whoa. down into your lymphatic Ugh. system so it drains the water out and it leaves your skin elastic fantastic and looking plastic wait <laughs> what oh my god the beauty or the science of beauty is insane yes that's crazy yeah. I, I don't really I, I mean my like moisturizing routine is usually I just you know I I wash my face I, usually, I have a couple exfoliants as well in my shower and um, yeah, I just usually use just a face wash and I get out and then I apply some, you know, moisturizer or, um, you know, SPF, especially because a bitch is fair, you know, yeah. I got really, really fair skin and, you know, the sun is not my friend. Like I am a fall bitch. Like, thank God I love Halloween and spooky shit because, <laughs> you know, that is my That's season. season. When everything's dead, you, know? you come alive. <laughs> literally, literally. I'm like, I'm thriving. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's so yeah, definitely like an SPF. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all I do as far as like my skin skincare routine. I'm lucky enough to have like pretty decent skin. Yeah. So. so I mean, I mean, okay. So do you use any like concealer or anything? Because I do. Uh, I, I definitely use concealer. Um, I, I tend to have a lot of redness in my face, uh, especially if I'm in the sun or if I'm hot or anything like that. Like I just, 
I always get red. Mm -hmm. And so I do use concealer. Um, you know, I things like green stick have really helped Ooh, me. You go far, uh, you know, girl. I mean, some you know, sometimes I need to. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, this you know didn't blend very well, and I still look kind of green. But like it has like <laughs> if I got alphaba, <laughs> literally alphaba ass bitch up in here. And um, no, like yeah, so. So, like, I do use a concealer, yeah. especially because also under my eyes are pretty, um, I have pretty, like, dark circles. Again, just because I'm very fair and that just seems to happen to fair, mm -hmm. fair skinned people. So, I do, you do use concealer. Um, I also fill in my eyebrows. Uh huh. Me too. Because I have very, very blonde, um, very, I don't want to say sparse, but I do have <laughs> thin, uh, thinner eyebrows, I guess. And um, it wasn't until just a few a few years ago. Like I always did it for for makeup when I did shows. You're right. Um, Paint for the background. I, yeah, exactly. And I think I just realized after doing that and looking at myself in the mirror, I was like, honestly, I just I look better with eyebrows. And so <laughs> I, you know, most and people do. you know what? Uh, most <laughs> people do. You know. <laughs> And I, you know, I literally just haven't had the luxury of having visible eyebrows for the majority of my life. And oh my I just God. thought, you know what? Fuck it. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? I'm just going to wear makeup every day. And I do. I fill up my eyebrows literally with a drugstore, I mean, L'Oreal Paris oh. eyebrow pencil. Yeah. I and, on, and, honest, and everybody's pretty like, honestly, I couldn't really tell that you have your eyebrows oh, filled. And sometimes no. I go overboard. Oh, okay. But Where they're all shaped. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sometimes Tapered. I'm like, well, yes, literally. But I mean, for the most part, it it just miraculously matches my hair color, and yes. um, yeah. So when we first met, I had like thin ass eyebrows, right? Like that, I used to over pluck them and do them. Okay, right. so but naturally, I have like really furry, bushy eyebrows. But mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, well, they stopped growing back, so now they have this kind of like natural arch, which I never had before. So now they have oh. an arch, but my hair, uh, it got patchy. Like my eyebrows got patchy, I guess just with age. Oh, So wow. I use a Revlon um, brow pencil and I just fill in the little patchy spot because some areas are real thick, but then there's like, yeah. I mean, they don't photograph well. So that's why I filled them in because mm. I'm always taking pictures of myself because hello. <laughs> <laughs> because why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then I use um, wet and wild, um, concealer because i guess in the beauty world it's comparable to like a really high-end concealer but it's like fucking 97 cents <laughs> do you buy any like expensive makeup no but i am considering oh getting botox right here oh same in my forehead. honestly i mean that yeah that's different like that's just what do they say? It's like it's like maintenance. It's like brushing your teeth. Uh, Plas the plastics are just like maintenance. And at our age, <laughs> it's preventative. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I mean, I don't, yeah. Also, do you want if you want to change anything about your body, you want to get a whatever this, whatever that. More power to you. It's your body. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Right. And so, right. And so, you know, if you want to get Botox, great. If I want to get Botox, great. Right. If not don't sweat it it's none of your business whether it's a little like nip that. or a little tuck or a little shot or big gummy bear boobs just do it do it makes <laughs> you happy <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so my breast augmentation is next ah! week <laughs> <laughs> my reduction is next week oh my god <laughs> what a shallow um, conversation <laughs> i mean literally but hey do you know what that ties right into our movie this week which is 1992's Death Becomes Her. Ooh, I love this movie. Yes, directed by Robert Zemeckis of like 
Fast and the Future. What did I just say? Who? <laughs> what movie is that? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, Fast and the Future. Who framed Roger? <laughs> Who framed Roger Bunny? <laughs> Not fast. I was so confident. Too. Oh my god! You're like, hello, <laughs> Fast in the Future. Back to the Future. Excuse me. Wow. Um, right, and this movie is honestly, it's my other favorite movie. Uh, I know we talk about like Scream is our favorite movie, which it is. Scream is always going to be my favorite always movie. Number one. But my one point five, maybe my one point seven five, is Death Becomes Her. This is my favorite 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 film i love it so much i've seen it so many times i could quote it backwards and forwards and every time i watch it it's like i'm watching it for the first time it is uh uh-huh yeah we were talking about that yesterday i'm like every time i watch this movie it's like watching it for the first time yeah you always find something new the jokes are never not funny they are always good yeah they're always fresh and i i think that's just a testament to the power of meryl streep and goldie hahn who absolutely slay this movie. They do. They are, they are comedy perfection in this. Yes. So what is this movie about? All right. So yeah, let's start with a little synopsis about this film for those of you who haven't seen it. Shame on you. Um, with, yeah, shame on you. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So this is Death Becomes Her. We begin in 1978 on the Great White Way. Broadway. Madeline Ashton, played by the greatest actress of our generation, Meryl Streep, stars in a musical version of Sweet Bird of Youth, much to the dislike of the audience. Madeline's rival and frenemy, Helen Sharp, played by legend Goldie Hawn, attends the performance with her fiancé, renowned plastic surgeon Dr. Ernest Menville, played by action superstar Bruce Willis. Helen has brought Ernest to the performance to meet Madeline and test Ernest's commitment to her, knowing well that Madeline has stolen men from her before. Unfortunately for Helen, her instincts were correct and Madeline and Ernest marry, leaving Helen depressed and distraught. Fast forward seven years, Helen has let herself go and is unable to move past her resentment towards Madeline. After being forcibly evicted from her apartment and committed to a mental hospital, (laughs) Helen is inspired by her doctor to completely eliminate Madeline from her mind. Another seven years later, Madeline and Ernest live in Beverly Hills in a loveless marriage. Ernest's marriage to self-absorbed Madeline and his alcoholism has left him no longer able to perform surgery and has transitioned him into a mortician, embalming dead bodies and using spray paint to make them look presentable at funerals. Madeline and Ernest are mysteriously invited to a book signing event by one Helen Sharp. Madeline, an aging starlet, is still vain and obsessed with recapturing her prime and youth through extreme cosmetic procedures. When she is denied a beauty treatment before the book signing, she is referred to Liesel von Ruhmann, a woman with an exclusive clientele. She immediately writes her off as a weirdo. (laughs) At the book signing event, expecting to see a disheveled Helen from seven years ago, Madeline and Ernest are shocked to find Helen not to have aged a day and looking better than ever. Madeline is immediately suspicious of Helen, who seems to be sinking her claws back into Ernest immediately. A jealous Madeline goes to visit her young lover, who confesses to her that their age difference looks ridiculous to people. Upset, jilted, and looking like a drowned rat, Madeline decides to take up the offer to meet Liesel von Ruhmann. Liesel, who lives in a very mysterious dark castle, 
is a young, beautiful woman who offers Madeline an offer she can't refuse, the opportunity for eternal youth and beauty. All it takes is a drink of a magic pink potion, and Madeline would be right back to her prime beauty for eternity. Her only warning? Take care of her body, as they will be together for a very long time. Meanwhile, Helen has decided to keep with her master plan to get Ernest back. She convinces Ernest to drug Madeline and stage a crime scene where Madeline is portrayed as a drunk driver who drove too close to the side of the road on Mulholland Drive, driving the car straight off the cliff, leaving them free of Madeline forever. When the new and improved Madeline returns home feeling incredibly confident, she berates Ernest with insults. Ernest, at his wit's end, pushes Madeline down the stairs, breaking her neck. Ernest calls Helen to confess what he's done and that Madeline is dead just like they wanted. Helen, not sure where her plan was not understood, decides that she will handle the rest of the situation. However, Madeline begins to wake up. Madeline has risen from the dead, unfortunately still twisted and contorted from her fall. Ernest rushes her to the hospital where Madeline realizes that she is in violation of the natural law, where she is dead, yet she remains alive. Ernest takes this as a test and sign that he and Madeline are meant to be together and takes her home to reassemble her with his skills as a mortician. Helen arrives ready to bury Madeline's body in Death Valley and is shocked to find her alive. Madeline, having overheard their plan to murder her, decides that she must kill Helen in self-defense and shoots her in the stomach with a shotgun. Surprise! Helen doesn't die either. She has also taken the potion and now both have become the living dead. They face off in an epic catfight where they continue hurting each other's bodies even though they are incapable of feeling pain. Madeline and Helen begin to work out their issues and come to the realization that they've always just misunderstood each other. Back to being friends, Helen and Madeline try to prevent Ernest from leaving them both, mostly because he's the only person capable of doing maintenance on their destroyed bodies. They decide that Ernest must take the potion so he may work for them forever. The girls knock him out and take him to Liesel's castle as she hosts a party for her clientele. After doing her best to convince Ernest that with her help he could return to being a surgeon, Ernest refuses to take the potion, seeing it as a curse and not a gift. He attempts to escape as Liesel's men, Madeline and Helen, chase him through the castle. On the roof, Ernest almost falls to his death but hangs on by his suspenders. Madeline and Helen plead for him to take the potion, but he refuses and falls to his death. But he doesn't die and escapes with his life. Helen and Madeline realize that they can manage without him as long as they stay together forever. 37 years in the future, Madeline and Helen attend a funeral for Ernest, who has gone to live a completely new, successful, and fulfilling life. Madeline and Helen seem to have taken terrible care of themselves and are a fright. Still at each other's throats, the ladies get into a struggle and fall down a flight of steps, smashing into pieces, a situation that after 37 years seems all too familiar. The end. Wow. <laughs> and the Oscar goes, just actually, funny enough, this movie does have an Oscar. Yes, for best visual effects. Right. This movie pushed a lot of special effects boundaries that people had never seen before in 1992. Yes. Um, it might be hard to believe, but without Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park would not have been able to achieve because it was the same special effects department. And it's like, they would have not have been able to achieve some of the things they did in Jurassic Park had they never experimented with these things in Death Becomes Her. Right. And I think that, uh, that sh- right there should give this movie way more credit than it gets. Oh my I mean, God. This movie... 
This movie, I mean, I, it was, you know, panned critically when it came out, but it has gained a super strong cult following. A gay cult following. <laughs> Especially a gay cult following because there's nothing that gays love more than catty women. Right, exactly. And we have a thing about watching beautiful women, you know, that we like almost consider like dolls like yes. we, we just like you know we like dressing them up it's sort of like what we, we talked about in one of our previous episodes about pop stars yeah about why we idolize female pop stars it's the same thing it's like we idolize beautiful gorgeous opulent women <laughs> and then you add on top of the layer of like cattiness and bitchiness and the gays eat it up live for it mama live for it and that and i'm not gonna lie that is <laughs> That is why I am one of I am one, the biggest fan of this movie. I think it yeah. it's perfect for me. Yeah, I love it. And I, one of the things that I'm always really intrigued by um, in just nature is are the seven deadly sins. <laughs> and this oh, yeah. movie, if you think about it, reflects all seven of them. While you know, like pride slash vanity and greed are the obvious ones. Um, there's mm-hmm. like wrath from Helen's anger to Madeline and Madeline against her aging body. Um, mm-hmm. Lust with you know Ernest, uh, lust after Ernest and um, Madeline's you know Deco- with her lover Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> and then sloth with Ernest's um, compromised career. Um, hmm. Gluttony when Helen gains all that weight after she's been left by Ernest. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's obviously greed from Liesel, mostly, because um, actually there's this whole backstory with Liesel like, that was not ever fleshed out in the yeah. movie where she kind of gives this potion to these great people. Originally, I think she was supposed to be like over 100 years old and she gave it to like historical figures. And when they didn't want to take it, she had them killed. Like, um, I think they were going to mention Abraham Lincoln and like, mm-hmm. you know, because she wants to Shakespeare. Yeah. She wants to collect these great people as part of this little collection of hers. I think I think that makes her backstory uh, a little more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And because it, it, you don't really get an explanation in this movie or a motive why yeah. she what what she gets out of this other than money um and so i think that if you look at what her original intended backstory was i do think that makes her a bit more diabolical mm-hmm. which i like and i and because I, I i see it as her collecting important figures people who are influential in the world yes. so like the Abraham Lincoln's or the Shakespeare's or she or these people in pop culture, you know, you see that, she, you know, Marilyn Monroe shows up in the movie Elvis, you know, and I, yeah. I kind of like the idea that Liesel is actually this mastermind megalomaniac supervillain yeah. collecting influential people so that she can manipulate them and control the world. Is that crazy? No, that is amazing. I, and I think even like in a very early draft, they wrote her as being Cleopatra. Yeah, which is, which I mean, which they do sort of reference when they, she pulls out the potion box because there's Egyptian um, hieroglyphics onk. on it. Yeah, an onk on it. And um, so that's sort of a reference to where her character originated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do wish that they had taken more time to explain her. I mean, I, right. it was obviously for pacing of the film because the, the main focus of the film is supposed to be Helen and Madeline. Right. But I do... Um, 
I do wish that we had seen a little, had a little bit more of a reason as to why Liesl yeah. does what she, she does. She has 12 here. minutes of screen time. So we're not going to find out what she is because I wrote down, I'm like, is she a demon? Is she a witch? Is she like a, yeah, like a professor a that found the fountain of youth? Like, what is she? Yeah, and the fact that she's only 71, I kind of do wish that they had made her older. Oh, or, God. or, I mean, it's not, not a problem that she's 71 or maybe that she comes from a, a long lineage of these like sorceresses or witches yeah, or whatever she is. That would have been a really and interesting backstory for her. That would have been really interesting. And who knows what that could mean for the future. Uh, you know, I feel like had, if they were to ever expand this, um, that could be something they talk about, but I don't want to get into that yet. Yeah. I don't want to get into that because I do want to talk about that okay. later. Um, so one of the things that I ran into um, when I when we first picked this film and I and I I was talking to my roommates and I said, "Oh, we're doing Death Becomes Her next." And the first the immediate reaction was that isn't a horror film. What? And I said, "Uh, I I mean, I would argue about that." And then we kind of got into a great discussion about, "Well, let's let's break it down. Let's see mm-hmm. why it would be." So then I looked up the definition of what a horror film is, right? Okay. So this is according to Britannica. Oh, I know her. Oh, you know her too? Her. Oh my god. So, a horror film is a motion a motion picture calculated to cause intense repugnance, fear, or dread. Horror films may incorporate incidents of physical violence or psychological terror. They may be studies of deformed, disturbed, psychotic, or evil characters, stories of terrifying monsters or malevolent animals, or mystery thrillers that use atmosphere to build suspense. The genre over- often overlaps science fiction films and film noir. So I was like, okay, so what are the horrifying elements in Death Becomes Her? So the first one I thought is the fear of aging. Mm-hmm. That would probably be my first one. You know, these women obviously uh, are fighting against the natural progression of life yeah. because they are so vain that they, they, and that is their biggest power that they have found within themselves is their youth and beauty. They haven't really scratched beyond, like beyond the surface of that. Right. They're shallow and, so, and desperate. So, right. And so there's the fear of aging. I was like, there's definitely bodily mutilation in this film. Yeah. Um, y- you know, my God, we see Meryl Streep's head, completely turned around and then knocked backward and then knocked backwards and down. Yeah, but, you know, Goldie Hawn with a giant hole in her stomach after being shot with a shotgun. Yeah. I mean, there's murder. There is, you know, there is conspiracy. Um, there's the dread of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a murder plot and the fact, just the fact that they become the living dead. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, it's a zombie film. And so, <laughs> Yeah, literally, it's kind of kind of is. I've always know? thought about it as a body horror, which is kind of what yeah. you were saying. I, like because yeah. you know those movies where like your body, like The Fly, where like your body is just like transforming or mutilated or you know, yeah, and you're just like right. You're at you're at the mercy of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's what I think that that is because these women are obviously still cognizant; they're still alive, but they have no control about how their body is now decaying, reacting. They can't feel pain, but yeah. their body's falling apart. Um, and I think that's a horrific experience. It is. Your you know? your your being or your soul is trapped in this like decaying shell. Like you're just right. stuck. Like in this, yeah, you're stuck. <laughs> right. And uh, and all of this was brought on by like supernatural circumstances, which I mean doesn't always necessarily like necessarily mean horror. 
Right. I mean, you, but... see, you see in fantasy, and I think there is a bit of like a fantasy element to this. And so, uh, yeah, so I think all those, all of that added up to me is like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I would consider this a horror film. Of course, it's a comedy. It's a, yeah, exactly. A horror comedy. But horror comedies exist. I mean, that, you know, that's okay too. And I would so, say this uh, is more of a horror comedy rather than a dark comedy because this is oh. like full on, like, whole nystemic necks being broken shattered body pieces (laughs) like right i mean everything in this movie is so heightened i mean it's 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 so surreal just it is camp and it is surreal and it is dramatic and over the top and uh the spa the beauty spa that she goes to is so over the top (laughs) so over the top oh my gosh liesel's castle is extravagant and there are just sweaty buff men and there are you know devilish dogs and liesel herself is opulent as hell that bitch has she stands up and she is wearing this incredible like beaded blouse (laughs) blouse if you can call that it's like a i don't even like an enormous necklace that covers her breasts and so she doesn't have to wear anything else (laughs) yes yeah so everything in this movie but it's not only just like the visually it's it's the performances you know you look at um uh, Meryl and Goldie's and honestly all of their performances Meryl Goldie and Bruce everything is to a 10 you know it's over the top it's cartoonish it's it's uh Goldie Hawn yeah. when she walks in to seduce Ernest it's she's like a old Hollywood like femme fatale vixen yes. you know and Madeline, um, I need to speak to Madeline at once <laughs> yeah so she has like this dramatic big umbrella and a gorgeous you know sweetheart neck yeah like oh it is so stunning on her it is so stunning on her goldie hahn looks incredible incredible film you know it's not just the three main characters either the performances of the supporting roles no matter how small are so like cartoonish and definitely turned up to max volume because oh my everyone is invested in their characters Oh my gosh! Um, the the girl that plays, uh, what is her name? The the girl that works at the beauty spa. Oh, the one the one with the fake French accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like that, like she, it's so over the top. Like she has this like crazy, like yeah. you know, like. But the matter like, fre- you just had one three weeks ago. <laughs> three weeks ago, yeah, she's like over the top French, and then you, of course, you find out later that it's fake, but. Um, just yeah just really over the top campy everything and i i watch an interview with meryl streep you know and you think of who meryl streep is as an actress um she's like dignified right and she is probably so much about the craft of acting oh yeah um to her core that's just who she is and you know she said that what they would do is that they would always film a scene once grounded in reality where they would like do the whole scene as if it would, you know, yeah. the stakes are real, but then they would do it once like that. And then every other take afterwards where she said it was just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Just balls to the walls, like wherever you can go. And I think that's brilliant because yeah. I mean, cause you do have to find your footing. Had they just been absolutely just reckless with how, how over the top they were, then maybe this movie wouldn't have succeeded. So I do think it's probably smarter than from an acting point of view that they took time to ground these characters and then from there build on yeah. the camp. 
and build, you know, the hyperbolic version of these characters. Well, Roger Ebert gave this movie a thumbs down, and he said that the Boo. right, and he said that the characters were basically nothing. Like they had, there was no depth to the characters, and I'm like, are you? joking did you watch the movie right and I, yeah and I, I i think he doesn't he probably doesn't realize well first of all he doesn't understand the struggle of women you know i'm sorry True. gotta say it yeah. and i mean again you know you and i are are women are oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you and i you know so we don't necessarily understand that aspect of it but there is something to be said as as you know queer men gay men we do go through similar struggles, especially when it comes to um, presentation, vanity, <laughs> beauty, things like that. Yes, absolutely. Next, I wanted to sort of talk about like, do, do you have, did you find any like fun motifs within the film that you like that you saw like throughout? Cause I did. Okay. Tell me some of yours. So one of my favorite things that I, that I notice throughout this film all the time is the use of mirrors in it. Oh yes. So the, there, every, not every scene, but a lot of the scenes, how they're shot. I think Robert Zemeckis did something really cool where he, he's filming one actor straight on and then you are seeing the other actor reflected in a mirror. Okay. But I, you know, you, I mean, you, you start to notice a lot or like, it's like when Meryl Streep drives in, when Madeline comes home after she takes the potion, she's looking and, she, and <laughs> it's filmed. It's filmed showing the side mirror of the yes. car, but it's her reflection. There's so many cool shots like that. I'm like, okay, mirrors. Is it? Um, she flips her hair. Yeah, she flips her hair. Or when Ernest calls like, Helen um, on the phone, she's yes. looking at herself in the mirror. She's looking at herself in the mirror. Oh my gosh, there's so many. When she looks at herself in the mirror and she freaks out before going to Liesel's because she's yes. so, uh, quote unquote, you know, ugly. Madeline's headboard for her bed is an enormous that, mirror. Yes. yes, exactly. You know, you, you just see so many mirrors and it's like, obviously, uh, I don't know if this is like a metaphor for you know, obviously vanity. vanity. You know, these women are very vain, but also like they're two-faced, you know, mirrors, you have two faces, yes. you have your own and then the reflection. So that yes. could be, um, you know, the very first scene we see of, of Madeline ever is she's in a, in, in a fake mirror, like on stage, mm-hmm. you know, and then later on when we see her in her actual Madeline reality, she's also looking in the mirror, putting on her makeup before Helen meets her for the first time. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Scene. You know, and, and then oh, yeah, that scene is so good. Just, <gasps> uh, it's brilliant. Like it's brilliant work. But, um, and then I was like, okay, so to take it even deeper, I was like, okay, so we have Helen and Madeline. Are they actually just reflections of each other? throughout this whole thing you know because like even though their approaches are different they are probably as equally self-centered as each other totally you know and you know something interesting is um meryl as madeline madeline's always wearing either white or black Mm -hmm. and it's like kind of gives like this icy sort of you know presentation but the one time that she's not wearing white is in the fantasy that Helen creates about murdering Madeline, mm. where she's wearing red and then Helen's wearing white. Ooh, that see, there we go. So maybe in there, I don't know. Maybe that's like uh, a manipulation by like the production. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're trying to like set up to us that Madeline is like the hero, or she obviously we've seen her be a giant bitch, but like <laughs> she's the one that we're gonna like, you know. Um, sympathize with Mm -hmm. more you know and then and helen she's the red sexy one but in helen's mind 
when when we go into there for the flash or for the you know, the, the plan sequence, yeah. the fantasy, they're switched to where she's the hero and Madeline is actually the villain. The villain in red. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, who knows? I, I literally just thought that should have but No, maybe. but that has to be because Helen is consistently wearing red. If it's not mm-hmm. her outfit, it's her lipstick or her hair yeah. is red, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so they kind of play with that white and red, like kind of like angel, devil, kind of, you know, color palette. Right. Exactly, exactly. And um, I just got to say that Goldie Hawn is also brilliant in this film. I, you know, I, I feel like Meryl Streep is given, I think, a little more to do than Helen is. Like, than I think Goldie she has, Hawn yeah, is. a bigger part, kind of. Yeah, she, I think yeah. she has a bigger part. But I, I do think that this is great because I think this is in Goldie Hawn's wheelhouse. Like, she is, she was always, like, super cute and but also a little sexy but she was funny super was funny, funny. was funny like, she, she's... like she's dead <laughs> oh my gosh she is funny and um and i think that she fits that slot perfectly what they needed um yes and that and i and i do think that's so interesting considering how meryl streep isn't necessarily considered a comedic actress Meryl Streep is more of like yeah. you, you, we think of her we think of the drama drama yes. the drama the dramatic roles and yes. um, I think that Harvard drama school <laughs> wherever she yes. was was it Yale yeah, or she Harvard to Yale she went, to, she Yale. went to Yale and she yeah so for Meryl Streep to be in this film I think is so fun because I, I, I we get to I think I don't I mean probably not the first time I'm sure she did other things have you ever the first seen time we get to see. She Devil I knew you were going to ask me about <laughs> She Devil I actually have never seen it but I do hear it's her it's like Madeline Ashton light like yes. it's almost yes like yeah. a diet Madeline yeah yeah <laughs> <Yes>. totally <laughs> like it's almost like the same character but you know obviously with the right. Did you know that this film was intended to be a sequel to the 1972 film Tales from the Crypt? Yes, which which is funny because in the trailer they even use the music from Tales the from music, the Crypt. The music, yeah, because Robert Zemeckis was a producer of the show uh, Tales from the Crypt. Right, and I think that I, I mean, obviously, I'm glad that they didn't do that. Like they yeah. didn't that they made it its own it. standalone. Yeah, right, exactly. But um, I think that. Again, going back to is this a horror film? Somebody else thought it was. If it was going to be attached to Tales of the Crypt, oh, well, obviously this is a horror it film. It was intended to definitely be a horror comedy for sure, hands down. Yeah, and like, and then also going back to the trailer, <laughs> there are so many things in that trailer for this film. If you go back and watch it, go find it on YouTube. Bitch, it's like a different movie. It's a different movie. There's tons of dialogue, tons of shots that aren't in the film. There are full-on characters who are cut out of this film. Yes, Tracy Ullman as the character Tony, who helps Ernest stage his own death so that they think he's dead. And she ends up being, like, his wife in the end. And they end up, like, going to Switzerland and living a life. I was like, what? When I read that, that, I was like, what the hell? Oh, my God. I was crying laughing reading one of the alternative endings yes. to this. Yeah, I wrote it down. Do you know which one I'm talking about? <laughs> the, Please read the it. The one in Switzerland? Oh, God. Whatever one happens with a car crash. Yes. Okay. So, yes, basically, <laughs> after Liesel's party, when Ernest flees from the party, um, the women... Well, there was two. There are, there are two. So, one of them was that the women chase him in the car... 
Um, and then they end up driving off the cliff and exploding. <laughs> yes, that, that's <laughs> their, one that kills. And their charred <laughs> skeletons <laughs> come from the explosion and talk. <laughs> yes, that was. I was like crying reading that, laughing. I was like, could you imagine how hilarious yeah. that would have been? So basically, Helen's fantasy of how Madeline will be murdered happens to them. They drive off the cliff in a furious rage, and they explode. Their charred skeletons <laughs> come out, and they start walking around talking. <laughs> Oh my god. Another oh my god. scene which I actually think they filmed was um, after Liesl's party. Ernest takes off in James Dean's car and he goes to a bar and has a drink because he's traumatized. And he meets this bartender named Tony, played by Tracy Ullman, who I loved in Once But a Mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Her Into the Woods. <laughs> yeah. So she um, helps him stage his own death. He, she convinces Madeline Helen that he's died. I think all in the same night because from the trailer it looks like they're still wearing those black dresses. They were, they were yeah. And they're like, Ernest is dead. And Tony, played by Tracy Ullman, ends up being the wife of Ernest. And Madeline and Helen, after they think Ernest is dead, they go off and they live in Europe. Um, and they are vacationing in Switzerland. They're bored with their lives. They don't know what to do. They still look afraid. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And then they see the this very passionate older couple and they get really envious of this, you know, affectionate couple and then realize it's Tony and Ernest. So then they try to hunt them down in a car and they're hit. And I think, I think, I don't know if they're in a car, but I think that they were like running down the street and they got hit by a car and their body parts <laughs> shattered into a million pieces. Kind of like we see in the actual ending of this film. Um, kind of like that. <laughs> that just makes it. I'm like, this makes it like a scary movie too. I'm like, how convoluted. <laughs> yeah. When they get run over crossing the street. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the pie now. <laughs> that one. <way. laughs> yes. <laughs> you just see arms and legs flying. Yeah. <laughs> like your body just goes into like pieces. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. So very different endings for this movie. There are three endings, and the one we ended up with, I think was the best choice yeah i agree i think it works the best um i know that yeah i i think it's great just to give give Ernest a happy ending he was sort of the most sympathetic character in the movie he gets a happy ending and the two you know antagonists i guess that's what we'll <laughs> call them um they sort of never get their happiness and it's all sort of wrapped up in a little bow like that yeah yeah i love that final eulogy about how oh <laughs> how uh, Ernest will go on to live forever through the legacy of his children and you know it's his children's in children the hearts of his friends and family and um and then he's like everybody knows Ernest for a sense of humor his tall tales of the living dead in Beverly Hills yes <laughs> and, they, think, yeah. and they're all serious back there <laughs> they're all mm. <laughs> yeah there's so many subtle good quotes like it the writing is so brilliant in this and also i want to say i am super proud of somebody like bruce willis for doing a film like this oh yeah because you know at the time bruce willis was known for doing action films yeah die hard was like at Di- yeah, peak I mean, of popularity yes absolutely and so and i know he wasn't the first casting choice originally cast was kevin klein who i've never but- seen in a movie which is you have no he's been in tons of movie and i looked at his filmography i haven't seen not one of those films Really? Well, all right. And then Jeff Bridges um, auditioned after Kevin Klein pulled out, and he they turned him down. And I'm like, actually, I could really see Jeff Bridges playing Ernest. Yeah, that would, that would have been good too. But I just think 
that Bruce Willis nailed this. And I think it's it was so cool of him to like to play a different character oh. than what he had been known for. I mean, to play like a, he is the opposite of an action star in this. He is a wimpy, like flaccid clown, bl- <laughs> boozy <flaccid> clown. <laughs> who's just as dead below the waist as his clients are. (laughs) Hey, maybe I should hook up with one of them. (laughs) But at least I know I'd be getting something stiff. (laughs) He chokes her. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I think that this is a great moment for Bruce Willis. I mean, for me, it'll always be my favorite Bruce Willis performance. You know what? Um, One of the, as we were talking about the deleted scenes that appear all throughout the trailer, um, the one that I wish they would have left in and I read the whole thing like in depth was when Ernest, before he starts prepping her, like taking out her blood and spray painting her body, um, he has her in the freezer. Oh, and yeah. they said that in the scene was that Rose, you know, Madeline's assistant and yeah. maid and everything else. Um, that she comes to get ready for work and she opens the freezer and Madeline is in there and she goes, close the door! <laughs> and, <laughs> and Rose screams and she runs off in fright and terror and then, um, and oh, yeah. then Ernest... Poor Rose. She doesn't really get an ending to her No, story. she doesn't. And then Ernest, um, Ernest comes out and then pulls a frozen Madeline out of the freezer and she clunks <laughs> onto the floor and then she puts, he like drags her up the stairs and she's like, Oh, I'm so sweaty. And he goes, sweetie, I think you're defrosting. <laughs> yeah. Which is, all that is in the trailer for the most part. Yeah. Uh, again, which is so crazy that they, I mean, they cut so much. I wish, and I, as far as I know, they have not released any of that footage. No, like, I can't actually, find it anywhere. It's, yeah. And I'm like, I have a DVD like, and it, there's no, there's hardly any bonus features on it. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, come on like give the people what they want they want to know you know what could have been yeah um i i would have liked to see that you know it doesn't appear that helen and madeline were going to be any other actresses but goldie hawn and meryl streep however i read that they considered jennifer jason lee for helen uh yeah i don't know she wouldn't have been no absolutely not she's a great great she's a great actress she deserves her oscar but um i don't think she would have been as as funny and meryl um, when she was approached for the film and read the script, she thought that they were considering her for Helen. They're like, no, you're Madeline. Are you kidding? <laughs> which, which is, which is surprising. I feel like that was a like a moment of false honesty for or modesty for um, Meryl because that bitch loves to sing. Like, yeah, Meryl Meryl Streep loves to sing. Let's not like you look at all of her body of work. That bitch is always singing, no matter what she. Okay. She's like me, of course. Oh, <laughs> of course I'll the sing. Songbird. Ah, oh, I just couldn't. No, I, w- I couldn't just. I couldn't see them casting me as that. <laughs> I'm Marilyn. <laughs> well, first of all, okay. I have a question for you. If you were at that show that they that sh- that Madeline Ashton is in in the beginning of this movie, would you have mm-hmm. walked out? Hell no, because that is so rude. I w- I literally wrote that down. I was like, I can't believe these people wouldn't even at least wait until intermission. They're like, what? what? I love how her program with her face is in the raining concrete. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, if you're listening to this and you're watching people perform, 
I don't care how much you don't like it. Those people are still up there performing. Yeah, you can at least sit down. Yeah. <laughs> sit down and wait until, you know, they're off the stage and then go. But I'm like, I'm intrigued by that musical. I don't know. You know <laughs> like, I I was like, just like her whole, like, I see me. And then I, I mean, I it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The disco number in the middle of it is. <laughs> yeah. It, that's hilarious. I, and I love that opening that opening number with her oh it's so good and she is given full leg honey oh my god when she lifts it up to her face (laughs) yeah so i was like come on meryl i'm like is that her leg or a a body double (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just a wooden leg she picks up (laughs) the only thing fake about me is this (laughs) slams it on the table (laughs) (laughs) she throws it through the mirror and she's like (laughs) that fake mirror Okay, two of my favorite quotes, and I don't even know the lines because they're kind of just faintly, you know, in the background, um, right. are when, um, when they're fighting and they kind of show Ernest going up the stairs to get, you know, go get away from them. And they're, they're, yeah. they show their shadows and she's like, don't you know never to compete with me? I always win. And she goes, that's because you can spread your legs wider and higher than anyone. <laughs> and then she goes, you hollow bitch. <laughs> you. <laughs> my favorite. There is so many good. I wrote down some of my favorites, and then I started writing. I was like, I'm like writing the entire movie. Like, oh my god! Uh, Every one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Uh, my subtle favorites is um, when they first see who when they think they see Helen at the book signing party, and it's like a what? <laughs> oh, it's like a bigger lady in like a brown sack dress or whatever. And she goes, oh, she just looks as though she's lost a few pets. <laughs> And then the lady moves. <laughs> and Helen's standing there all glamorous. Yeah. And she's like, we're leaving. We're leaving. <laughs> I, looks as though she's lost a few pets. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just so good. Um, Forever young and eternally yeah, fat. Totally. <laughs> oh, I love the, oh, yeah. I love the lady uh, Vivian that's at the party. Oh my gosh, which is an insane scene because why is she so upset that he was spray paint on her aunt? She was like, she's she like, looked great. Yeah, he's like, spray paint. And she's like all horrified, <laughs> mortified that they it's spray like, painted her aunt. Um, it's like, bitch, she's dead. Who cares? <laughs> I love when she's rifling through the pages of the book and she's like, 50? Wow, what's her secret? <laughs> Yeah, she's funny too. She's like, the she I'm, was Robert Zemeckis's wife, I think. I think that's why oh my, her she had a storyline in this movie. Oh my gosh, I saw I saw. I feel like I see her in things. I'm and I'm always like, that's that chick from Death Becomes Her. Oh my that's god, hilarious. yeah. Or um, did you catch the um, cameo of the the nurse or the doctor that comes and takes Madeline's dead body away? Oh yes, yes, Is, Sydney. Pa- oh, um, from oh, the uh, lady, the lady, the lady doctor that tells Ernest, she's like, I'm so sorry, but she's she's dead. Uh, before he goes to the morgue is the actress from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. The <gasps> she is yes with the with the, with the with padded the, boobs with the pointy boobs. Yeah. Oh my god! Wait, I had no idea. Yes, that that's amazing. Um, did you clock it? I always recognize her face because to me she kind of looks like Cruella, <laughs> the cartoon. I love her though. Um, I love her. And, yeah, no, she's great. Yeah, she's great in Elvira. Oh my gosh! Oh, she is so great. So I'm trying to think of my other favorite quotes. Oh. I think probably um, "Could you just not breathe?" is one yeah. of my favorites. Uh, I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> but my fa- so my favorite scene in the entire film mm-hmm. is when Meryl Streep is in Liesel's castle. 
I think that scene oh is so God, brilliant so because well done. because there is not very much dialogue. It's pretty much quiet, you know. And but it's all physical comedy, and Meryl Streep is hysterical when she's like she's like first of all she has that her head wrapped around that thing with the glasses on she sort of looks like like a wet chi- like a wet chicken as she keeps looking over her sunglasses <laughs> yes. and she's like walking through and like she'll be staring at something and then somebody will pop up and she'll get startled <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> That part has me rolling every time. Just, oh, <laughs> well, the dialogue is great in that scene too. Once they actually start talking, Liesel and Madeline, when Liesel's like, <laughs> yeah. "How old did you say I am?" She's like, "38." And her Liesel's face drops, and she goes, uh, "28, 28, 23, 23." <laughs> my uh, my other favorite quote from that scene is when she when Lisa goes. I always thought yours was one of the most beautiful faces to grace the silver screen. And Marcel, she goes, oh. <laughs> She's all ugly. Her face is it's all like, oh. It's like, oh. It's like that false modesty yeah. is so. Oh, oh my that God. Part, uh, so good. So good. So good. Or, anyway. Um, no, wait. There was one more from that one. When she go- oh, and she goes, now a warning. Now a warning. Now- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the line of the movie. Like, After she drank you- it. If you don't laugh at that line, then you are, I don't know, you don't have ears or something, but it is so good. It's so good. It's so funny. That's a funny so, moment. So one of the things that um, you and I talked about on our Instagram this week, if you oh guys were following God. along, was uh, we had a little competition between like dream remake casts. Yes. And Jake came up with Kate Blanchett as Madeline, Viola Davis yes. as Helen, Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac Isaacs with an As- S. Oscar Isaac. Oh, with a, uh, with no S. <laughs> no S. Oscar Isaac as Ernest and Lady Gaga as Liesel. And you won mm-hmm. because my I- cast was Charlize Theron as Madeline, Regina Hall, at, who is 50, almost 50, as, yeah. um, as uh, Helen. Will Smith is Ernest, which I still think would be great. And um, <laughs> Selma Hayek, which was kind of just a throwaway one. I kind of just asked you who I should pick as Lisa. Yeah, that was like, all. Selma Hayek. <laughs> you bitch sabotaging. <laughs> I, I kind of did. Like, looking back, I was like, wow. I was like, I'm pretty sure I gave him all these suggestions. And then everybody's like, no. No, but Selma Hayek was like one that like I thought about like even for like Madeline. I'm like, eh, she'd be kind of good. Um, she I like her. Do I like her in comedies? So we so we have these like fan remakes, but I think and hear me out on this. I don't know if I would want a remake. Yeah. I would want a sequel, not necessarily a sequel starring Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. I would want like a new like a reboot. Okay. I mean, I, obviously, we are in 2020. Things have changed as far as our conversation about pitting women against women and things like that, right. even though the gays love it. So I think for my idea for like a reboot would be to do, and especially as like an homage to its fan base, I think that they should do it with two gay men. Ooh, Death Becomes Him. Death Becomes Him. I think that would talk to an issue that is prevalent in the gay community which is like i said before was like the incredible beauty standards of the gay community yes the adonis factor yes exactly and i think that that could be 
a really interesting thing um, to explore if we decide to go without the two great. women. That Wouldn't that be, be so great. good? Yeah. And so I was trying to think of like, okay, what men's is this? Would I cast? And I want, and I think it'd probably be very important to make sure that these actors are gay are as gay. well because yeah. you know we don't want anybody falsely representing you know, or, you know creating stereotypes. Right. Because, you know, we're not having lived the experience. But I think like us. Oh, <laughs> well, yes, us. us. <laughs> In twenty but, uh, years. Ah, but I said Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer. I think Matt Bomer. Yes. Matt Bomer would be really good. And I was trying to think of who else. And I was like, what about Ricky Martin? Oh, he, okay. Wouldn't that be good? Because he's been acting lately. If you've seen like American Crime Story and stuff, he's actually yeah, a pretty good actor. I'd never seen him do comedy. He but, did a decent job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and he's fucking drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Let's not forget. That's true. And, and um, so I don't know. Bummer. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that that could be fun. Um, or if we don't go the two, you know, the two male way, um, if we did keep it women, like not have them be rivals, but have them maybe friends. Maybe they used to be like supermodels who don't, who can't compete or something. Anymore. Yeah. Something like that. Like it's, I don't have a fully fleshed Maybe like out, two like, older version. friends. Yeah. Like versus like the younger kind of like yes. um, that, like we see it play out sometimes like Naomi Campbell and then like Kendall Jenner, yes. like, you know, like that yes. kind of. Yeah, something like something like that. But I would still want it to. I would love if Robert Zemeckis came back and did it, and like, oh, that'd be great. And like, somehow was able to recapture that heightened camp and um, you know the gr- the opulence and everything. Because I th- I do think that is something that's really important to this to the success of this film. Yeah. And so I I don't know. That's sort of my idea. I kind of what do you- would like to see this as like a almost like a series. I feel like TV yeah. series do so well that like th- th- oh, this would be like be so a great good. like an eight episode Netflix series or something yes. where they just explore Liesel and Madeline and Helen and kind of like right. like these same or, characters but or just play on um, maybe like Liesel uh, or like her collection of you know wouldn't sure. that be great like every season was about somebody else is taking a potion or something you oh, know that, like, that would I be think, great like an anthology series i think that would be a great idea yeah like do like a netflix show like eight episodes or ten episodes a season and they could do different yeah because i feel like there's so much we didn't learn about liesel and and what she's done but obviously a lot of people yeah. have taken this potion if you see how many people were at that party somebody has there are more stories to tell yes and i, and I would love yeah, and I would love, and especially because I think there is a there is an audience for this, and it could yeah, and it could almost be like Tales from the Crypt ish, where it's like Liesel is like the crypt keeper, where she's like just she's there, yeah. but it's like she's not in every episode probably, but you just kind of right. follow these people that are part of her, you know, yeah, collection of bodies that she's managed to convince to take this potion, and I want to yeah. know what the hell the potion is. It, where did it come from? What the hell is it? I read some Does she make it? article Does where she... it's like, you know, it's an ominous, it's an om- it has an ominous beginning, you know, because it was supposed to be this great yeah, no shit because... <laughs> mercury fluid in the script, but they ended up being like this bright pink, you know, luminescent, you know, potion. And then they say at one point when she's handing um, the bottle to Meryl or Meryl picks it up or whatever, there, there is a, like this shape of a woman's body, which I noticed in it. And I was like, okay, so mm. I'm not crazy. And it's like this nude you know sort of body it's just a glimpse of a nude woman's body i'm like ooh. so what is this potion where does it come from 
And also, um, the, in the scene they deleted later on where Bruce Willis is old, they actually filmed him being old. They used the, his face in the funeral picture of his old makeup. Um, yeah, his the Joe the gag was that he was you know a, aged, but his hand that Liesel drops the dirt was still young, and so right. it's like I, that's interesting. I literally wrote that on my notes. I was like, so are they just gonna go on having one young hand forever? Yeah, <laughs> one young hand. I was like, that's kind of weird. I was like, can she at least do both? Yeah. So I want to <laughs> see um, like what the side effects are. What if somebody takes two? Right, exactly. I think that there's so much potential for yes. this universe. Bitch, this could be the Marvel movie of... This could be the Marvel <laughs> series of gay films. The gay you community. Know? And, a, yeah. and a gay episode or, you know, a gay season would be perfect. Because perfect. the beauty standards are extremely difficult to uphold in the gay community. Absolutely. Perfect bodies, perfect faces, can't be too masculine, can't be too feminine. You can't, you know... Yeah. yeah it's like... There's an unattainable goal, and I think that um, yeah. as, you know having having a reflection of that back at the world. Um, the there we reflected. go. Who knows what that could do? What what it could inspire? I mean, this is basically a morality tale. Like you know, it's based on uh, this like the Faustian pact idea. Do you, do you know what that is? Hell like, no. A, so Faust is like an old. Um, German folklore about it's like the original story about somebody selling their soul to the devil okay. in exchange for great power of some kind, whether it's knowledge and um, and which is it's a it's a morality tale because it always turns out tragic. Mm. You know, always. It, it always yeah. it all it always turns and you see it and and there's been so many things in pop culture and media that have taken from this and this is just another example you know because there's like you know the picture of dorian gray is the same thing it's like mm. you sell your soul to the devil yeah. in exchange for for beauty and youth or whatever and it never works out it always turns out tragic just like it does in this movie so the origins of death becomes her at its core is a morality tale yes. so if you are to take the story and you know make it relevant to today to different communities it could have it could have influence it I could think. have a lot yeah it could have a. This story has a lot of potential to be something great, and you know, de- definitely like a remake. You know, probably isn't the best, but a TV series, absolutely. Yeah, even if I it was just that's... one season, just why not? They did scream, and we weren't mad at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, literally, and they fucked that up. They so. fucked it up royally. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god! Oh my god! But um, no, I agree. I think that that would be such a good time so if you're listening mr netflix mr john netflix oh. um hear our pitch because we have a brand new series ready yeah. for you to go oh fun fact this movie premiered in theaters the same weekend as bay Bay's kids <laughs> and buffy the vampire slayer uh yes it came out the same year as Bu- or same day as buffy the vampire slayer which is another one of my favorite films, which we will in fact be doing next week. Oh my God. Uh, I'm excited for that one too. I have to, you know what? Maybe I'll watch that right now. You know who introduced me to that film is you. I had no idea it existed. Because it's the fucking best. But not to get too hung up on that. No. But um, Death Death Becomes Her obliterated Buffy at the box office. Um, Death Becomes Her opened at number one and poor Buffy opened at... (laughs) number five (laughs) so i mean but i of course i mean you have movie star power out the ass and death becomes her and you know 
little old Buffy was uh, was starring Christy Swanson, so and Luke Ew. Perry. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer, watch it so you can follow along next week. Yeah, do because it. I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. <laughs> I know, and a lot of people do hate that movie, but it's not—it's so good. Okay, bitches, that's it for Death Becomes Her. <laughs> we went into the historical beginnings of this film. That's right. <laughs> we, yeah, we dug deep. We dug real a, deep because this is an incredibly deep film. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening again. We are going to sign off now, but before we do that, we got to remind you, hey, please give us a follow, give us a subscribe, give us a review. Um, if you want to find us, we are on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. We are on Twitter at Fear TT Queers, and you can email us as well at FearTheTalkingQueers at gmail.com. Yes. Um, you can always get in contact with us again. Ah, we've had so many great messages. Um, yeah, you guys are more and you guys more are, every day. Yeah, more and more every day. Everybody is so engaged, and we love that. Um, spread the word. Tell your friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to us. And um, send us send us your suggestions about things you want to hear. We love hearing that. Um, we also hey send us. Send us hate mail. Send us death threats. <laughs> send us nudes. <laughs> send us All that right. fucking potion that'll keep us young forever. Yeah, literally. Oh, God. Time is fleeting. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Well, I guess we will see you later. I will. Do you want to do the honors this week? Sure. Do it. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye. Bye. <laughs>